1: And I want to thank my good friend Ken McGarvey for sending me a terrific true story of the 1967 experience of a young 12-year-old lad in Kingston, Ontario. It's about his vivid memory of a privately built P-51 from World War II and its famous owner-pilot. I quote him now. In the morning sun, I couldn't believe my eyes. There in our little airport sat a majestic P-51, They said it had flown in during the night from some U.S. airport on its way to an air show. The pilot had been tired, so he just happened to choose Kingston for his stopover. It was to take to the air again very soon. I marveled at the size of the plane. The pilot arrived by cab, paid the driver, then stepped into the pilot's lounge. He was an older man, his wavy hair was gray and tossed, and his flight jacket was checked, creased, and worn. He projected a quiet air of proficiency and pride, devoid of arrogance. He filed a quick flight plan to Montreal Expo 67 air show. Several minutes later, we could hear the pilot doing his pre-flight checkup. He taxied to the end of the runway, 19, out of sight. All went quiet for several seconds. We ran to the second story deck to see if we could catch a glimpse of the P-51 as she started down the runway. We couldn't. There we stood, eyes fixed to a spot halfway down runway 19. Then a roar ripped across the field, much louder than before, like a furious hell set loose. Something mighty big was coming. Listen to that thing, said the controller. In seconds, the Mustang burst into our line of sight. Its tail was already off the runway, and it was moving faster than anything I'd ever seen by that point. Two-thirds of the way down 19, the Mustang was airborne with her gear going up. We clasped our ears as the Mustang climbed hellishly fast into the circuit to be eaten up by the dog day haze. We stood for a few moments in stunned silence, trying to digest what we'd just seen. The radio controller rushed by me to the radio. Kingston Tower calling Mustang. He looked back at us as we waited for an acknowledgment. Radio crackled, Go ahead, Kingston. Roger, Mustang. Uh, Kingston Tower would like to advise the circuit is clear for a low-level pass. I stood in shock because the controller had just more or less Asked the pilot to return for an impromptu air show The controller looked at it and said Well, what? I can't let that guy without asking I couldn't forgive myself So the radio crackled again Kingston, do I have permission for a low-level pass East to west across the field? Roger, Mustang The circuit is clear for an east-to-west pass Roger, Kingston I'm coming out of 3,000 feet Stand by The burnished bird blasted across the eastern margin of the field. And about 500 miles per hour and 150 yards from where we stood, she passed with the old pilot saluting. Imagine a salute. Well, the America that I know when I was a kid will return one day. I know it will. Until that time, I'll just send off this story. Call it a loving reciprocal salute to a country especially that old American pilot, the late Jimmy Stewart, actor, real World War II hero, commander of the U.S. Army Air Force bomber wing stationed in England, and the United States Air Force Reserve Brigadier General, who wove a wonderfully fantastic memory for a young Canadian boy that's lasted a lifetime. And now that same Jimmy Stewart stars in The Six Shooter.
2: In just a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the six-shooter. Just one of the many great stars brought to you on Sundays on NBC. Every Sunday, hear Hume Cronin and Jessica Tandy in The Marriage. Sir Lawrence Olivier on Theatre Royal. And Lawrence Tippett with the Golden Voices. Helen Hayes, Frederick March, Rex Harrison, and Lily Palmer on the NBC Star Playhouse. All of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart as the six-shooter. The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as The Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponsett, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends. Now, in just a moment, immediately following this important announcement, you will hear Act One of The Six Shooter. A lot of vacations start as a daydream and end as a daydream for lack of money. That need not happen to you. You can have extra money when you need it. Simply join the payroll savings plan for buying United States savings bonds. When your bonds mature, you'll get back $4 for every $3 you invest. And there's your extra money, your vacation, both guaranteed. Ask your employer about buying United States savings bonds through the Payroll Savings Plan and then join. Now, Act One of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart.
3: The wind had died down. It was quiet now. Only thing I could hear was the creek trickling away about 20 feet down from where I'd made camp. And I, I shifted my blanket, turned over on one side, and the moon came out, and I could see the water skimming along, washing the pebbles clean.
4: And, uh,
3: gee, it's funny the way the sound of a creek always makes you drowsy. Isn't it? Uh, I, started to close my eyes, and then I got that same feeling again, that, that feeling I'd had all day, Scarfella, too. Ever since we turned off the maiden road into the trail to Petersville, I'd had a hunch that there was another horse not very far behind, whoever was riding to managed to keep out of sight, but it was the same kind of a hunch you get when you feel a pair of eyes drilling into the back of your neck, and then turn around and spot somebody staring at you. Scar hadn't been traveling very fast. Anybody could have caught us to us real easy. The fellow back there hadn't wanted to catch up. That is, if my hunch was right. Wouldn't be the first time I played the wrong hunch. No point of losing sleep over it, anyhow. It was Scar that woke me up. I could see a shadow over by my pile of grub, not more than six, eight feet away. I inched my hand from under the blanket, and I got a grip on my gun. Are you looking for something, mister? Now, now, hold on. Oh, just a minute. Hold on, now. There. That's better. I'd, uh, I'd kind of like to find out why you, you, why you, you're pretty young to be roaming around this country, aren't you, son?
5: I'm eleven.
3: Ah. You the fellow's been following me all day?
5: It's a free trail, ain't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, guess it is.
5: Then you ain't got no right to interfere with my riding over
3: it. Oh. oh that's true enough. But uh you haven't got much right stealing my grub either. I know.
5: didn't steal any.
3: Well, that's what you were fixing to do, isn't it? Maybe. Ah. Now, if you're hungry, you're welcome to it. I got plenty of grub here, but you just didn't have to come sneaking around to
5: I didn't know who you was. I was afraid you might try to send me back home.
3: Uh-huh. Well, uh, just where is home? Crescent. Oh. Well, if you'll stir up the fire, I'll see what I can do about heating up some beans. How's that sound? I'd,
5: I'd appreciate it.
3: Good. All right. All right. Hand me that pan over there, will you? There we are.
5: You won't tell nobody you ran to me, will you, mister? You won't tell them you seen me.
3: Well, I. I. Uh... You're not
5: taking me back to Crescent. No matter what happens, I'm not going back there. No, you understand no, that?
3: I'll no, no, take it easy now. You're. You're not the first boy to run away from home. Far from it. Most of them hike off when they're about your age. And... But they don't usually miss more than one meal before they turn back. At least I didn't. What happened Your Dad give you a weapon?
5: No, sir. My pop wouldn't hurt me either. He's a fine man. The finest man that ever lived.
3: Sure, yeah. Uh, well. Here's your beans.
5: I'm heading for Petersville to find my father. He told me when I was big enough I could join up with him. Well, big enough now, ain't I?
3: hmm yeah, yeah. Real good-sized boy for 11, say that much. Uh, how uh, how come you haven't been staying with your dad?
5: He moves around a lot. Oh, I see. So I've been living with Aunt Aggie ever since Ma died. But it's not the same as being with your own pa.
3: No, no, I just didn't.
5: And I made up my mind. As soon as I found out where he was, I was going to him.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, you sure your dad's in Petersville?
5: And Aggie got a letter from here last Monday. I heard her talking to Uncle Ray about it and heard him mention Pa's name. He sounded kind of worried, like something had happened to him. Uh-huh. Then when they saw me, they shut up. You reckon Pa's sick? You reckon that's what they were talking about?
3: Oh, I don't know, son. It could be that.
5: I asked them what was in the letter, but they wouldn't tell me. Now I'm going to find out for myself.
3: Well, seeing how I'm heading for Petersville, too, I guess there's no reason why we shouldn't ride along together. And if we're going to be traveling companions, we ought to introduce ourselves, don't you
5: think? My name's Larkin. Rink Larkin.
3: Oh, please meet you, Rank. I'm Britt Ponsett.
5: Britt Ponsett? That's right. do what they call a six-shooter. She whiz, Mr. Ponsett. I... I didn't mean to talk back to you the way I did if... If I'd known who you was. Say. Say, would you mind showing me your gun? I've heard folks talk about that gun of yours ever since I was a kid. Yeah.
3: <laughs> sure. Here, oh, catch.
5: boy. Ain't near as heavy as it looks.
3: Huh? Well, you, uh, you know about guns, Rank?
5: Some. Want to see me give it a twirl?
3: Sure, let's see. Uh, uh, hey, that's fine. Oh, oh, oh. Of
5: course, it ain't the way you do it, though. Here, Mr. Ponson. Thanks for showing it to
3: me. Sure. Well, I guess we still got a couple hours before sun up. Why don't you bring your horse over here by the fire? Maybe we can get some shut
5: eye. Good idea. Oh, Mr. Ponson. Yeah. And um, I'm right pleased I bumped into you
4: tonight.
3: So am I, Rank. So am I. <laughs> an early start the next morning. That is considering that it took me almost half an hour to get Rink awake and on his feet. It was about four o'clock when we got into Petersville. Hadn't been through that way for a couple of years, but the town, it hadn't changed much. But the only thing different I saw was a new livery stable and a fresh coat of green paint on the Jackson Hotel. Men playing checkers in the front porch, they, they... Hadn't changed at all. Except maybe their beard's a little grayer. And of course, yeah, my, my hair wasn't exactly the same shade it used to be, you know. But that was from being out in the sun so much. At least that's how I figured it. Well, we pulled up beside a yellow adobe building right next door to the hotel and climbed off our horses. Now, well, come on, Rank. Let's go inside and see what we can find out about your father.
5: That's the sheriff's office.
3: Mm hmm. Sure, he'll. He'll know where he is, if any... What's the matter, Hank?
5: I don't like sheriffs, that's all.
3: <laughs> Haven't been giving you trouble, have they?
5: I don't like him neither. Heard him say so once. He was talking to a friend of his and heard him say how he hated some sheriff.
3: Oh, well, I don't imagine he was talking about Sheriff Jay. There's good sheriffs and bad sheriffs, you know, like everything else. But most of them are good. Come on now, come on. Hello, Sheriff. Oh, Hi. You old. What
6: in thunderation are you doing in Petersburg?
3: Well, the <laughs> widow Jenkins is gone east for her daughter's wedding. She asked me to look after her place while she's away. Well,
6: it sure is good to see you.
3: Say, who's your friend here? No, this is Rink, Sheriff. He was coming to Petersburg, too, so we decided to ride along together.
6: Pleased to meet you, son.
3: Howdy. Matter of fact, that's why we stopped in to talk to you. Rink wants to find out about his father.
6: I'd be glad to help out if I can. What's his name, son?
5: Larkin. Earl Larkin.
6: Oh, I see. I'm sorry. You're just a couple of hours too late. Too late? I, uh... I wrote to your pa's sister in Crescent. Her answer came in on the morning stage. She said she didn't want your pa's body. For us to bury him here. Funeral was this morning.
5: Pa? Pa's dead?
6: What? Wait, you knew about him being killed, didn't you? Your aunt told you.
3: I uh, i guess she didn't, Sheriff.
6: Oh, well, I, I didn't mean to blurt it out, Britt. I i, I figured. Uh, How? Well, I thought...
5: <sighs> How did it happen?
6: We don't have to talk about that now, son.
5: I want to know. What happened? Look,
6: uh, suppose you come up to my house for supper, huh? After you've had a nice home-cooked meal... It
5: won't do you no good to stall, Sheriff. I want to know who killed him.
6: You'll find out anyway, Sheriff. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he will All right, son It was me You? Marshal over at Atterbury sent word that Larkin and his pal Cliff Traeger were heading this way I'd heard about him before I knew what to expect He rode into town about noontime I was waiting inside the bank I would deputized some of the boys and they were with me Your pa and Traeger didn't have a chance, son But they shot it out anyway Wouldn't drop their guns, even though we had the draw on them. Traeger, he got away into the hills. But Larkin, I'm really sorry, son. Sorry I had to be the one to do it. Even sorrier, I had to tell you about it.
5: You're a liar. A dirty, stinking liar. My pa never tried to rob no bank. You take back what you said about it. I'll make him take it back every word. Now,
3: here now, you... Dirty rotten... Now, Rank, here, get a hold of yourself here he now.
5: Won't. Don't! want me! He killed my boy! He's a murderer! 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 Rink.
3: Right. <laughs> I... I... didn't want to hit you, Rank, but I got...
5: Why shouldn't you hit me? You're his friend, ain't you? He killed my boy and you're his friend!
6: I think I ought to go after him, Britt. Try to explain.
3: No, no, I... I... I expect it's best to leave him by himself for a while. But well,
6: this wasn't the first holdup Larkin and Trager tried to pull out by a long shot. I didn't have no chance. Yeah, yeah. Well, someday the boy will understand. Someday when he's older. Yeah.
3: Well, the trouble is, things don't wait for a person to reach the understanding age. They happen anyway. Whether a person's ready for them or not... It doesn't look like Rink's ready. Not for this, anyway.
2: We'll return to James Stewart as the six shooter in just a moment. Monday night brings magnificent musical programs to the NBC radio network. It's an evening designed for restful relaxation. The time to sit back in your favorite chair and listen to melodies old and new on such famous programs as The Voice of Firestone, The Railroad Hour, and The Telephone Hour. The Voice of Firestone continues to enchant radio audiences from coast to coast, and the program is now in its 25th year. Also on Monday evenings, enjoy the operettas presented on The Railroad Hour. Gordon McRae is your Railroad Hour host and each week he is joined by a charming guest artist in the stellar productions of this fine show. You'll also want to hear the telephone hour every week as it presents the music of Donald Voorhees and the Bell Symphonic Orchestra and Chorus, as well as superb guest soloists. Listen Monday evenings on the NBC Radio Network. Now, act two of The Six Shooter, starring James Stewart as Britt Ponsett.
3: After I made sure of a room for the night, I started out looking for rank. I had a hunch I wouldn't have a hard time finding him. There was only one cemetery in Petersville, a sloping hill west of town pines all around it and soft green ferns mixed in between the trees rink was there sitting on his haunches right beside a mound of fresh earth he wasn't crying but his cheeks were streaked with wet dust where the tears had been oh rank say uh these things were your paws i thought maybe you might like to have them You, uh, want some supper? I'm not hungry. Yeah, well... You believe what
5: the sheriff said, don't you? You believe he was right to kill Pa.
3: Well, I wasn't there. I I I didn't see how it happened.
5: But you're on his side anyway.
3: Oh, people don't have sides, Rank. Not on a thing like this.
5: I do. I'm on Pa's side. He was a good man. Never did anybody harm, never. No matter what that lying sheriff says.
3: Well, maybe you saw your dad different from other folks. And that doesn't mean you're wrong. Maybe with you, he was different.
5: I want to make it up for him, Mr. Ponson. I'm going to get even with that sheriff. I will, so help me.
3: Now, you listen to me. Let
5: me alone, Mr. Ponson. Just stop, John, and let me alone.
3: All right. All right, Rank. Uh, now, if you change your mind, you, uh... You know where the hotel is, huh? Good night. I thought he would change his mind. I thought he'd get cold out there in a couple hours and he'd come sneaking into the hotel room, but he didn't. He didn't change his mind. I had the room all to myself. I didn't sleep very much, though. You know how it is when you're you expecting something to happen, to you... You're Sort of keep thinking about it in spite of yourself, and you just don't sleep very sound. Anyway, I. Yeah? Who are they?
6: Me,
2: Britt, Sheriff J.
3: Oh, oh. Oh, come on in, Sheriff. Oh, morning.
2: Hope I didn't wake you? No,
3: no, I wasn't asleep. I should have been up a long time ago, but uh, hand me my boots, sir, uh, will you? Hmm? Oh, sure. Thanks. Right. Thanks.
6: Hey, uh, boy, is with you?
3: Uh no. No, I haven't seen him since last night. Don't know where he went.
6: Oh? Something the matter? Thompson's hardware store was robbed at about three A.M. No money missing. Just a revolver and some bullets as far as Brad Thompson can tell. Oh, I see. Got in through the back window. Found some boot prints outside. Mm-hmm. Small boots. The size of boy'd be wearing. Mm-hmm.
3: Wait. Did you find anything else?
6: Yeah. There's a pretty clear trail leading away from behind the store. You're real easy to follow. Almost as if the fellow who robbed the hardware store left the tracks intentional so somebody'd come after him.
3: What happened to that towel? Oh, there it is.
6: It was the Larkin kid, wasn't it, Britt? Oh, it could have been. Don't tell me he's got some fool notion of revenge on his father.
3: Uh, he did say something about getting even, Jay. Uh,
6: so he figures when I go riding after him, he'll get a chance to kill me. Is that how you see it?
3: <laughs> it's... Pretty hard to be sure what's going on on a youngster's head sometimes.
6: Doggone it, Britt. Sometimes I wonder why I keep on wearing this star. No matter what you do, it's wrong. Earl Larkin ain't the first man I've killed, not by long sight. And he deserved it more than most. But killing him didn't end nothing. Just turned his kid bad. But I guess I should have... Well... Let Larkin kill you? Oh, no.
3: You going after Rink? Oh, I... Uh...
6: Maybe the kid will come to his senses.
3: Uh, when you're 11 years old and you get set on accomplishing something, you don't change your mind very easy, you
6: know. What do you expect me to do, Britt? Up in those hills and shoot it out with an 11-year-old boy? I got a son of my own. Ned's just about the same age as Rink. Oh? If Rink was covering me right now, there in that door, if I saw his finger starting to squeeze the trigger, I, I, I wouldn't be able to shoot. No matter what, I, I wouldn't be able to shoot. Where's his
3: trail laid?
6: East over toward Skull Mountain. Oh,
3: uh, Widow Jenkins ranch right over that way. I, I'm riding out to Sear this morning.
6: Well, I guess it doesn't matter whether I go after Rink or he comes after me. Might as well get it over with. That's what you think I ought to do, ain't it, Britt?
3: Oh, no, no. Oh, no, not necessarily. All I was thinking was that uh, if you did happen to decide to follow Rink, well, I've, we could ride out together, part way at least. We're getting pretty close to Black Canyon, are we?
6: Yeah. Yeah, it's only about half a mile.
3: Yeah. If somebody wanted to set up an ambush, that canyon would be a good place, wouldn't it?
6: Yeah. Well, here's the turnoff to the Jenkins Ranch. Huh? Oh. Oh, yes, yeah. Uh... That's
3: right. Well... Yeah, Ma Jenkins wasn't expecting me before sundown, so I didn't need to turn off just yet. I could ride along with Sheriff Jay a little bit further. We were moving through Black Canyon now, rocks on both sides, plenty of cover for a person who wanted it. Rink's trail went right straight ahead. And that's why we didn't pay much attention to what was happening behind us. Not enough attention, anyway. I did hear something, a little scratching noise. By the time I turned my head, a barrel of a revolver was poked out through a crevice between two boulders. And it wasn't Rink who was holding the gun.
6: All right, boys. What? The... And don't reach. Trigger! Oh, I told hold you not to reach,
3: next time won't be your hand. Who are you? My name's Ponsett. Britt Ponsett. Oh.
6: Sure took your time coming after me, Sheriff. No. Were you waiting for somebody like the six shooter to give you a hand? I never thought you'd be fool enough to hang around. I give you credit for having good sense. I'd have been glad to move on, but my horse went lame on me. Besides, you put a bullet through my shoulder,
3: remember? uh uh-uh, just hold still, Sheriff. The wound is healed now.
6: Okay. Okay. I'm out of the saddle. But don't hurry things. Come down slow one at a time. You first, Ponce. Your turn,
3: Sheriff. Now, walk forward a couple of steps. Away from your horses. Hold it. Oh.
6: Why, forget it. What happened to Locke? I said... He died a couple of hours after you and him held up the bank. That's the way it goes All
3: right, now let's... You you haven't seen his kid, have you? What? Larkin's kid? Yeah, a boy about 11 years old And what would I be... You mean he's in these parts? Yeah, yeah, he's gunning for the sheriff here (laughs)
6: Sure takes after his old man, don't
3: he? What do you mean, Traeger?
6: Well, that was Larkin's trouble Liked a gun too much Oh, sure Wasn't so
3: bad when we first teamed up, but after a while, he wasn't happy unless he could start a gunfight. Ask the sheriff. You know how he was there at the bank. Now, if it had been up to me, we'd have given up when we saw he had his corner, but not Earl. Anyhow... You might have been better off if you'd given up. No, no, not me, Ponson. Earl, maybe, but not me. Anyway, he'd have been killed sooner or later. Fellas always blazing away. Someone's always going to blaze back at him. Uh
6: Uh-huh. Now, me, I'm different. I don't enjoy killing the way Earl did.
3: Uh-huh. no, of course, good. Of course, there's
6: times when a man don't have no choice. Traeger... Like today, maybe. I gotta have a horse, and I gotta make a break out of these hills. Now look, Traeger... Well, as I see it, there's only one way of getting a horse, and of making sure you boys don't follow me. Traeger! At least, that's how I see it. So, I guess it don't leave me
3: much choice. Does it? He cocked his gun... <laughs> a ray of sunlight glinted off the barrel as he tilted up just a fraction of an inch. And then his trigger fingers started curling back real slow, like he was playing with us. Making us wonder which one of us. I wasn't sure which one of us was he going to get it first. If it was me, Sheriff J, might have a chance to draw before Trager could fire again. If, if it was the Sheriff, then I... His aim was right between us. He was taunting us, and he knew it. the slightest move by
6: either one of us. Yeah, that's right. Keep on wondering. Keep shaking. nerves. Which one, you thinking? But it's going to be both of you. Because you're nice and close. And his trigger finger kept tightening. (laughs) Slowly... And boys, it's going to be now. So?
2: For a split
3: second, Trigger just stood there, not moving. Then he fell down on his face. I saw Rink rise up from behind a rock about eight feet away. Rink!
5: Hello, Sheriff. Mr. Ponson.
3: Uh.
6: Uh, Hello, Rink. You, you, you. Holy mackerel, son, you... You sure turned up at the right time. You've been
2: hiding behind that rock all the time?
5: You see me, didn't you, Mr. Ponson? When I snuck up behind that rock, that's why you kept talking about Pa. Uh, uh
3: well, uh, I thought I saw somebody. Thought I saw somebody. Figured it might be you. Sure hoped it was.
5: I'm glad I heard what he said, Mr. Ponson. Otherwise, I'd never believed about. I- I- I'm sorry I called you a liar, Sheriff. I'm sorry, I I tried to get you out here so now, I could... Now,
6: now, don't you worry about that, Rick. We, we're mighty grateful for what you did, both of us. You sure know how to handle a gun.
5: Pa, pa taught me. I still don't see how I could have been the kind of man who... was who also so good to me.
3: Sure, right. Sure, I know. <sighs>
6: Well, it sounds like Trigger's still got some life in him.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we better be getting him back to town. Come on, Rank, give us a hand. Well, since I was going to be alone on the Jenkins place while Maul Jenkins went east, there didn't seem to be any good reason why Rank couldn't stay along there for a while, too. At least until the time for school to take up again. So I wrote a letter back to his aunt explaining things. She wrote back. She didn't seem to have any objections. But somehow, reading between the lines, I got the feeling she kind of missed that boy, Rink. And, well, wasn't very long before he began to miss her, too.
2: One of the finest things you can do is support your local community chest or United Fund. Through them, you can make just one yearly contribution that takes care of many needs. Since only one campaign is staged, much time and effort are saved. Your money is collected and administered honestly and efficiently. So give generously to your community chest or your local United Fund. The Six Shooter is an NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt, and the transcribed story is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International Picture, Thunder Bay. Others in the cast were Sammy Og, Russell Thorson, and Tony Barrett. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. This is Hal Gibney speaking.
1: Stay tuned for Burns and Allen, next on Theatre of the Mind. Now, let's go back to 1950 for George Burns and Gracie Allen, and a story about Al Jolson's vigorous lifestyle.
2: Are you reducing tooth decay with Amident ammoniated toothpaste?
7: Well, answer the man, George. Of course, Gracie. I use Amident twice a day. You can smile when you say that.
6: Yes, it's the Amident Show, transcribed in Hollywood and starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. our special guest, Al Jolson, yours truly, Bill Goodwin, B. Benaderet, Hal March, Harry Lubin, and the Amadent Orchestra. For healthy laughter, it's George and Gracie. And for healthier teeth, for fewer cavities, it's Amadent toothpaste. Well, today at the Brown Derby, I had lunch with George Burns and Al Jolson. Now, most guys would be very nervous in such big-league company, but not Burns and Jolson. They took me right in stride. (laughs) Anyway, before Jolson arrived, George was telling me some anecdotes about him. I'll say this for Jolson, Bill. He's the greatest entertainer in show business. And it's not... And it's not just my opinion. No? No. It's also Jolson's. (laughs) Do you mean that he's a little on the sugar-cured, hickory-smoked side? Is he? There's a thousand articles written about that guy every day. Last week, there was a write-up about him in the Boise, Idaho paper. So far, he has shown it to me ten times. <laughs> Holy smoke. And for Doe, he won't be at the table one minute before he switches the conversation to Boise, Idaho and whips out that clipping again. I- Ixnay, Ixnay, here he comes. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. oh hello, George. Sorry I'm late. Sit down, Al. You know Bill Goodwin. Well, of course. Bill's in my picture. Jolson since again. How are you, Bill? Fine, Al. That's good. Speaking of Boise, Idaho.
4: <laughs>
6: I've got a clipping here. Al, nobody was speaking of Boise, Idaho. Bill, look, at my age, who's got time to make continuity?
4: <laughs> I'm no
6: youngster anymore. I'm I'm almost as old as George. Burns or Washington? <laughs> Washington, nobody's old as Burns. <laughs> but this particular. We came here to eat. We're hungry. You wouldn't be interested in this clipping? The only mm. thing I'm interested in right now is a pickle. Say, George, what? look, explain something to me, will you? I've been on the Bing Crosby show, Edgar Bergen, Jack Benny, many others, too. How come you never asked me to be on your show? Don't you like me? I love you. But who can afford your price?
4: <laughs>
6: look, I don't have any price. I do these things because I like to. For example, when I'm on the Crosby Show, Bing just gives me whatever loose chains he happens to have in his pocket. Now, the last time I was on it, it came to $18,000.
4: Oh, well,
6: that's better than laying off. Sure. Wow, imagine having $18,000 in his pocket. I thought Bing was naturally bow-legged. <laughs> I'll tell you what, George. We're such good friends. I'll be on your program. Won't cost you a penny. I'll do it. For amnident. That's wonderful. How many tools? Two. <laughs> I want the company. The company.
1: <laughs>
6: Al, you expect George to give you the business? No. <laughs> That's what I'm giving him.
4: <laughs> oh, yeah,
6: Al, no deal. Now, let's eat. Oh, wait a... Wait a. <laughs> Oh, Gracie, I'm home.
7: Oh, hello, sweetheart. Have you had your lunch?
6: Yeah, I had lunch at the Derby. Who is? An old friend of ours. Though April showers might come your way.
7: You've been eating pickles again. I'm
6: imitating the fella I had lunch with. bring the flowers. Love room in my home.
7: <laughs> <laughs> what what do he do for a living? Sings. He
6: makes a living singing like that? Yeah. Yeah, when it's raining. I have no grass. Oh, oh now I
4: know
7: who it is. Oh, sure. Common Lombardo. Tracy, I'm
6: doing Al Jolson. Oh. I had lunch with him, and you know me. When I'm with a great personality, some of it always rubs off on me.
7: Oh, gee, I wish you'd have lunch with Errol Flynn sometime. <laughs> You mean I'm not romantic enough? Well, it would be fun to be kissed now and then.
6: <laughs> Gracie, I just got through kissing again When? New Year's Eve.
7: But <laughs> well, this is the first of February.
6: Okay, I'll kiss you again. There. How's that?
7: Um, have lunch with Errol Alfie Flynn. There. I know. I know.
6: <laughs> what have you been doing today?
7: Oh, sit down and relax, and I'll tell you all about it. Now, here's your pipe. I filled it for you.
6: Well, thanks. Now,
7: let me give you a light. <laughs> there. <laughs>
6: Well, for Pete's sake, what did you fill this pipe with?
7: The bow off my hat. (laughs) The
6: bow off your hat?
7: Well, you told me you smoked velvet. (laughs) Here, throw it out. Don't you like it?
6: No, I'm switching to Blue Surge.
7: (laughs) Come in. Hello, Gracie. Hello, John. Hi, Hello, Blanche. Blanche. Say, Gracie, I've got an awful lot of sewing and mending to do. Could I borrow your singer? Certainly. Go with it, Judge.
4: <laughs> she
6: means your sewing machine.
7: Oh, oh, Judge isn't that kind of a
4: singer.
6: <laughs> he isn't the other kind, either. I heard that, I heard
4: that. <laughs>
6: Excuse me, girls. Sam Taylor, at your service.
4: <laughs> Hello, Sam.
6: I'm returning a suit I pressed for you, Mr. Boynes. Thanks, Sam. Tell me, who made that suit for you? One of your radio writers? <laughs> Why? It's funny. <laughs> Listen, this suit was made by Hart, Shaffer and Marks. And they've been making suits for a hundred years. You should be proud to have the first vault. <laughs> Look, Sam. With a suit like this in the house, the Marks must be eating out. <laughs> Sam, will you do me a favor? I'll be delightful. <laughs> Just press the suit and stop pressing with the jokes. Okay, Daddy Boy.
4: <laughs> daddy
6: Boy. Toodle-doo. Toodle-doo, Sam. Good job. Better remember that gag. I might be able to use it next week. Hey,
7: <laughs> telling Blanche about you having lunch with Al Jolson today. You know, she's a great fan of him. I'll say I am. He's
6: quite a guy, Blanche. I've never seen such drive and energy in my life.
7: He must be a human dynamo. <laughs> uh, you mean Mo? No, Al. Who's Mo? Uh, Moe
6: was Al's brother. Oh. Mm. I'm going into the den. I'll see you girls later. I gotta lie down.
7: Gee, Blanche, I wish George had some of Jolson's pep and vitality Where do you suppose Jolson gets it, Gracie? Oh, I wish I knew Well, he's certainly married to a young wife (laughs) Say Maybe that's what does it (laughs) Having a very young and beautiful wife No, that hasn't helped
4: George (laughs) Blanche
7: Jolson personally. I'll go see him and find out the secret of his vitality.
6: Well, Gracie, come in, come
7: in. Thank you, Al.
6: I'm sorry I was so long getting to the door. You see, my wife is gone. And I'm taking care of our baby, little Asa.
7: I see.
6: i got to feed him about an hour, so I'm boiling some bottles.
7: Well, won't they be hard to digest? <laughs> Gracie,
4: the
6: baby won't eat the bottle.
7: Well, I don't blame him. There you
6: go. What brings you over, Gracie?
7: Well, Al, you've got to tell me your secret. Where do you get all your pep and vitality? How, how do you do it? What keeps you going?
6: Keeps me going? Mm-hmm. Gracie, I'm not on my last leg.
7: Oh, so that's it. You've got spare
4: parts. (laughs) Look, how how
7: about sending the old ones (laughs) over to George?
4: (laughs)
6: Gracie, what you see here is all original equipment. I just take care of it.
7: Well, um, uh, tell me how so I can make George do it.
6: Well, first of all, I keep my weight down. Every day I get in a steam cabinet and bake for 30 minutes. I'll show you. I got one right here in the bathroom. Relax, boys, relax. Relax. I'm just showing someone around. Gracie. (laughs)
4: This is a
6: steam cabinet right here. See you later, boys.
4: Al,
7: what's that orchestra doing in your bathroom?
6: Oh, I, I keep them in there all the time, honey. You see, when I sing in the shower, I like it to sound real pretty. Those are the only musicians who have to belong to the Plumbers Union, too.
4: Well,
7: we wouldn't have room for a steam cabinet.
6: Well, you better do something. I saw George in the locker room at the club. And that stomach of his don't look so good. No? No. Tell him to diet.
7: All right. What color?
4: <laughs>
6: Let that go. Let that go. I've got another idea, Gracie. By the way. Does George take calisthenics?
4: Well,
7: I think so. Does it come in a blue bottle? <laughs>
6: no, I, I I mean it might help George uh, to work with a dumbbell. What am I saying? That's what putting there
4: is.
7: <laughs> well, I'm not leaving here until I find out how to put George and you in the same condition. <laughs>
6: <laughs> I don't think it's going to take long. In fact, I feel the need of a cold shower right now. Excuse me a minute, Gracie. Boys, turn on the cold water and give me a downbeat. Yesterday I heard a lover sigh goodbye, oh my, my. Seven times he got aboard his train, and seven times he hurried back to kiss his love again and tell her, to toot, toot, goodbye, to-to-tootsie, toot, toot, don't cry, that future train that takes me away from you, no words can tell how sad it makes me, kiss me pity and then
0: do it over again,
6: watch for the mail. I'll never fail If you don't get a letter Then you'll know I'm in jail Don't cry, Tootie, don't cry <laughs> Goodbye, Tootie, goodbye Goodbye I'm a fail, and if you don't get a letter, then you'll know I'm in jail. Don't cry, Tootie, don't cry, goodbye Tootie, goodbye George has just received an urgent phone call from Al Jolson asking him to come to the recording studio where Al is cutting some records. Oh, George, I'm glad you rushed right over. I want to talk to you. What is it, Al? Well, you know I wanted $10,000 to be on your program. Yeah. Get Gracie out of my house and I'll do it for nothing. (laughs) Gracie's at your house? Yeah, she's been all afternoon asking me a million questions about my vitality. She said, Jolie, you never get any older. Well, you don't. I got news for you. Today I did Look, Joe. That woman can age whiskey. <laughs> Tell me something, George. How long have you been married to her? Almost 18 years. You were smart. You married her after it was too late to do you any damage.
4: <laughs> she gave you a bad
6: shot, huh? Bad time. Get this. I showed her my baby, little Asa. Yeah. And I told her that having a baby kept me young. She said, yeah. And it didn't hurt your figure any either. How do you <laughs> Murder. George, look, I repeat, get Grace out of my house, and I'll go on your show for nothing. Hell, I wouldn't let you do that. Okay, I'll give you a thousand. It's a deal. <laughs> I'll have her out of your house in five minutes.
7: Blanche, fall find out where Al Jolson gets his pep and vitality, George made me leave. Oh. Uh, did you get to meet his wife? Yeah. Oh, she's a lovely girl. Comes from the south, you know. She lived on a plantation where they raised banjos.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: raised them? Yeah. She told me how she used to love to sit on the veranda while the hired hands picked their banjos. Uh,
4: yeah.
7: Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Well, I still haven't found out how to give George some pep. Well, maybe you don't give him enough fresh vegetables, like uh, spinach and carrots. Oh, carrots are overrated, Blanche. You know that stuff about carrots helping you see in the dark? Yeah. Oh, don't believe it. The time my flashlight burned out, I tried to use a carrot and I
4: couldn't... <laughs> but
7: then I couldn't even see the carrot. <laughs>
6: Hello, dear. Oh, hello, Gracie. Oh,
7: hello, Harry. You're late, Harry.
6: Yeah, well, I stopped off at the May Company. I finally exchanged that shawl for your mother.
7: It's None of my business, but that certainly is a silly trade. <laughs> Gracie, Harry meant to. The- Blanche,
6: just tell her that as soon as they mark your mother down, we'll buy her back.
7: <laughs> oh, all good. Well, goodbye, you two. Goodbye. goodbye.
6: Oh, what a woman. With her, you've got to keep changing the subject to stay on the subject you start with.
7: Now, don't make any cracks about Gracie. She's a devoted wife. She's been out all day trying to find a way to make George healthy. If
6: she stays out long enough, that'll do it.
7: Are you kidding? He doesn't deserve a wife like Gracie.
6: Nobody does. <laughs>
7: What was George before Gracie married him?
6: He was doing all right. He had an act with a trained seal.
7: Well, believe me, she married the wrong half of the act. <laughs>
6: Chrissy, what's the idea of all this health talk?
7: Well, I want you to be like Al Jolson, dear. He looks so tan and healthy.
6: Okay, I'll get a sun
4: lamp. No,
7: don't do that. Some lamps, don't work. I happen to know that Eddie Cantor used one for years, and he never had a son.
6: <laughs> Jolson is healthy because he likes to exercise, and I don't.
7: Well, exercise has certainly helped my Uncle Fred.
6: Uncle Fred? Mm-hmm. I don't remember him.
7: He was married to Aunt Clara.
6: I don't remember her either.
7: Well, she's Joe's sister. Who's Joe? Well, I don't remember him.
6: Uh, let's get back to Uncle Fred. Clara. Husband. Clara's husband, yes. Let's yeah. get back to him. Well,
7: she was a waitress up in Alaska. This is Clara. Yes, and that's where she met Uncle Fred. He lived up there in that mining town. Nome. Of course, I know him. He's my uncle. I see.
6: Come in. Hi, Burnses. Oh, Hello, Willie. Say, I just heard Al Jolson is going to be on your program for free. That's right, Bill.
7: Well, George, how did you ever get him to do that?
6: I happen to be married to the right people. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know that Jolson's the greatest singer in the world. It'll be a treat to hear him sing those hits he made famous.
7: Yeah, and George can sing the hits he made famous. Like what? Tiger Girl, In the Heart of a Cherry, Drop Dead, In the to of the
4: wait a
6: Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Drop Dead? I never sang a song like that.
7: Well, it must be one of your numbers, George. Whenever you get up at a party and say, what well, would you like me to do, everybody drop else dead. drop... I it. say...
6: Oh, drop dead, oh, drop dead, oh, drop dead. You are the ideal of my dreams, I oh, my new song. George, surely you're not going to sing with Jolson on the show. You know, it's different when he and Crosby sing together.
7: Ah. Crosby and Jolson can't sing as good as George put together.
6: Well, yeah, <laughs> but who can put George together? <laughs>
4: Buck will never sing
6: with you, George. Oh, yes, he will. Uh, come in. Oh, hello, George. Hello, Grace. Oh, hello, Bill. Oh, Hi, Hi, uh. Joey. Come right in. Hello, Al. We were just talking
7: about
6: you. Yeah, Al, I was just telling George and Gracie that you're the greatest singer in the world. Oh, now, Bill, you shouldn't tell them that. Why not? They already know it.
4: <laughs> Al, settle something
6: for us, will you? When you come on our show, if George insists on singing, what'll do you do? Drop dead? <laughs> oh, no,
7: no, that's one of George's songs. <laughs>
6: You're the top, Al. Sing a couple of lines of Swanee for me right now, will you? Here, I've written out the words for you. Amidant, how I love you, how I love you. Amidant toothpaste, i give the world to see a great big tube of A-A-M-I-D-E-N-T. I think I'll stick to the original lyrics. About it. <laughs> yeah, this song will make you famous. I know, but I don't want to be Everybody's famous. Everybody's talking I... about amident. now. I'm not to sing about the. No, it's the ammoniated toothpaste that helps fight tooth decay. More dentists recommend Amidant than any other dentifrice. With a song like this, you can make a comeback. Well, give it to George. He can use it. (laughs) Thanks. George, I'd like to discuss that program that I said I'd do for nothing. You're looking to get out of the deal. Oh, no, George. But I've got a couple of stipulations you'll have to meet.
7: Oh, well, we'd love to. I'll bring them in. (laughs) Oh, uh,
6: tell Gracie what you want, Al. Well, before I sing on your program, i got to have 50 strings in back of me.
7: Oh, why? Is your corset loose? (laughs) Look,
6: Gracie, let's forget the stipulation. I'll do the program. I thought so.
7: Well, Al, you sing the hits you made famous, and George will do the ones he made famous. It'll be a medley.
6: George sing with me? Oh, now, Gracie...
7: Oh, scared, huh? (laughs)
4: Look,
7: look,
6: I'll, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll bring my musicians over, and you listen to both of us sing. I think you'll change your mind. Okay, Gracie, the boys are all set up. Now you'll see why George and I shouldn't sing together. Hit it, boys, hit it. Yes, uh, that's my baby. No, sir, don't mean maybe. Yes, sir, does my baby now Yes, ma'am, we've decided. No, ma'am, we won't hide it. Yes, ma'am, you're invited now. By the way, by the way, when we reach the preacher man, I'll stay with be there. Yes, sir. That's my baby, no sir. Don't mean maybe, yes sir. That's my baby now. Okay, okay, George, the orchestra is yours. I don't need any help. I'll play for myself. From time to time, at every client, blessings come from above. What's name? The mother's fame. While others are loving you. <laughs> that's enough sugar, John. Everybody loves a baby, that's why I'm in love with you.
4: Pretty baby.
6: Pretty baby. And I'd like to be your sister, brother, dad, and mother, too. Pretty baby. Pretty baby, won't you come and let me rock you in my cradle of love, and we'll cuddle all the time. Oh, I want a loving baby, and it might as well be you.
4: Pretty baby of mine, pretty baby of mine.
6: You rose there but roses fade away when Roses die when the winter time appears Hit it, Hit it, Baby face You've got the cutest all You've got a baby face There's not another one Could take your place Oh, baby face My poor heart You're sure something Oh, baby face I'm up in heaven But I mean you're on embrace. It's like a breath of spring when surely hangs. How about your baby pet? Oh, boom, 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 down in the garden where the red rose grows. Oh, oh my, I love the red
7: Oh, John, so. John, you. you can stop. Oh, well, Jolson
6: whistles too. Dear, I've
7: made my decision. Yes? Yes. You Al was right. You two can't sing on the same program.
6: <laughs> Gracie, I knew you'd see it that way, honey. Well,
7: certainly. George is so much better. He'll do all of it. <laughs> oh,
6: Union, come with me. I need another cold shower. <laughs> Gracie will return in just a moment. Join us again next Wednesday when we'll all be back. George Burns, Gracie Allen, Harry Lubin and the Amadent Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Brought to you by the makers of Amadent, the ammoniated toothpaste and tooth powder. Recommended by more dentists than any other dentifrice. The George Burns and Gracie Allen program was transcribed in Hollywood, written by Paul Henning, Sid Dorfman, Larry Klein, and Harvey Helm, and produced by William Burns. And now here are our stars. Folks, next week, starting Monday, February 6th, is Children's Dental Health Week. A time for all of us to think about the damage that dental diseases are causing in the teeth of our American children. It's an important subject. That's true, George. There are over 284 million cavities in the teeth of American youngsters right now.
7: Well, uh, what can their mothers and fathers do to help them?
6: Gracie, here are some rules the dental health authorities are suggesting. First and most important... Have children undergo a regular periodic dental examination. Second, brush teeth after breakfast and before retiring at night. Third, eat plenty of meat, eggs, butter, cheese, fresh fruits and green vegetables and drink plenty of milk. Fourth, use an ammoniated dentifrice.
7: Well, I know every mother listening will want to impress those rules upon her family during children's dental health week, Bill.
6: And every week, all year long. Good night, folks. They listen to the Abendent Show starring George and Gracie. Goodbye. Stay tuned for lemon Abner. This is CBS, a Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Well, thank you for listening. Tomorrow night it's Broadway is my beat, followed by the Red Skelton Show.